Today's podcast is with Grace Giles. The title of the podcast is Grace Giles, Australian Roller Derby Pioneer to New York F45 Franchise. I first met Grace when she was training for roller derby with the VRDR, the Victorian Roller Derby League. She was working in a coffee shop to make ends. Till then, apart from her junior sports, she had not done any formal strength and conditioning or trained as an elite athlete. In 2011, she started training Advanced Athletes Performance, which was in a warehouse next to the VRDL training venue, and showed an immediate desire to train as an elite athlete. Uh, Kelsa Ketter and I had set up the facility to, to basically train athletes and, and developmental athletes. Her drive to train at high intensity often led to little niggles, but also this meant she was always giving her best. She quickly embraced all the weight training exercise and progressed to doing plyometrics and then understand, understood all the rehabilitation exercises. And she was a sponge, learning from other people in our facility, given the elite athletes that we had there, from track to tennis to volleyball and soccer. Grace progressed to doing her Cert 3 and 4 for personal training and earning nearly all, all, all her income from personal training, in effect, and fitness and training athletes also. She, was, she, she also improved her roller derby and given her unique bash and crash style, needed to be strong and fast. She was part of a VRDL team that travelled widely and had huge success. These athletes had to fund their own trips, as she did, and had an intense desire to be the best in their sport. This all led to Grace uh, to doing an exercise science degree at La Trobe University on an elite athlete program. She excelled in her first two years at university, but the New York bug bit and a long-standing desire to play roller derby with Gotham, a club in the Big Apple, meant she packed her bags in 2017. Fast forwarding to 2020, she now owns an F45 franchise and has retired from the sport. Grace is highly motivated, has a passion for fitness and an incredible work ethic. Apart from her story in roller derby and, 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 and from 2011 from when I met her, it demonstrates the different pathways that exercise science students can take and what passion and hard work and smarts can achieve. So let's get chatting. Hi, Grace. How are you? Hi, pretty good. Thanks. How are you? Yeah, yeah. Just uh, living the dream in China. <laughs> Listen, uh, <laughs> tell me a little bit about what you're doing now, more so before in, in, in the States, more so before COVID-19. Just a brief summary. We'll expand later. Right now, I'm living in New York City. Uh, I moved over here from Melbourne uh, to play roller derby and ended up opening up my own F45 studio in Brooklyn. So what I do is F45 training. Uh, it is sort of going to be a team training, um, personal training in a team environment. So uh, we can take the focus of um, having to be there, demonstrating and actually really working with people one-on-one -on -one, um, in a larger environment, uh, which has um, been great. Uh, it's an Australian franchise, and it's taken off over here quite, yeah, in quite a way over the last few years. So it's keeping me busy. World War's keeping me busy up until recently. Well, it's still keeping me busy, but I'll talk about that later. But now I run a gym here. That's fantastic. Um, but did you... really great and successful. Did you go over more for roller derby than than um, than the gym at first? Yeah, a hundred percent. I uh, was I needed a change from I'd been 
playing uh, roller derby for Victoria for a long time. You know, I started there in 2007. I moved over here in 2017. I wanted to continue playing, but it was just the point where I wanted something new and something different. That sort of 10-year <laughs> need, yeah. need a refresher. I still had the passion for the sport, but uh, yeah, so I wanted to move somewhere else, and it was pretty much decided by where the roller derby teams were. Um, I've always loved New York, and there was some spots available on a team. Well, some people had transferred the previous year, and I just thought it was a good opportunity uh, to head over here and give it a shot at the door. It always be my dream to play for Gotham, which is New York's roller derby team, ever since I started. And, yeah, managed to make that come true. In the short term, not, I mean, we've got enough in the press, but what what's the... The COVID-19 impact for you in New York, for your living in ISO and your business? Just sort of, can you elaborate on that? Yeah, so New York is the epicenter of coronavirus. So we've had the most deaths, most cases, everything. Uh, pretty terrible. It's been a pretty emotional few months here. We, businesses closed their doors between the 16th and 18th of March. And since then, my gym has been closed. We, the city itself is uh, under stay-at-home orders. Uh, we still get to go out um, for, for exercise. So you can go for a run or a cycle or a jog. But, you know, for a while there, that was even pretty scary. I definitely think that I probably spent at some point a full week without leaving my apartment block because it was just, except to go to the supermarket because it was just, it was just so big here for a while. My business, like a lot of other businesses, closed down, but we wanted to keep our community going and I wanted to keep being able to pay my trainers at least something. So we created online content uh, from day one. We were sort of expecting it to happen. So we had a bit of stuff prepared, which was great and moved everything online. We do live Zoom classes, uh, and it's been really popular, and it's had a great response. But, yeah, so now we're just trying to do as much as we can do, try and recreate the same atmosphere as we had in the studios, uh, you know, good banter through our classes, really uh, having our trainers being on the Zoom, watching people's form, correcting them as they go. And, yeah, it's, it's actually working out quite well when, you know, for the, for the circumstances. Yeah, tough, tough. And uh, what, you're not getting any rent relief from what I heard, uh, Grace? No, no, we're not getting any rent uh, relief uh, at all, unfortunately. I'm still in negotiations with my landlords right now about some sort of payment plans and things like that. But at the same time, we have no idea what, even when we do reopen, what fitness is going to look like in the future. We are now um, at a point where we are very far away from the vaccine and people are not going to feel comfortable uh, going in back into F45 Studios as they were. Uh, an F45 Studio is set up with between 9 and 27 different stations and members move through the room after intervals of set. <clears throat> and that is just... <laughs> it would be madness to do that now. It, Towards the end, the amount of cleaning and stuff we were doing, we did definitely change the classes so we could keep it sanitized. Mm. But 
it's going to be a, a whole new look for F45, at least um, until there's a vaccine. So, And for this whole fitness industry, where you're in a place where you're all touching equipment and mm. sweating and using showers and change rooms together and, you know, who knows what the fitness industry is going to look like. But at the same time, we've created this amazing online content that could maybe, in the end, after all this is over, strengthen what we can offer our members. So I always try to look on the bright side of it all. Yeah, yeah. Well, talking about the bright side, how, how did, yeah, it's pretty tough. Grace, how did you start Roller Derby or Derby? I always get it mixed up. Roller Derby. Okay, Roller Derby. How did you start? Roller Derby, I, I started... <laughs> Roller Derby. I started back in 2007. I, I was 40 at school. I did long distance running, but after school finished, I was like to hang out and didn't really do any sort of exercise at all um, since school. And I was always interested in roller skates. I collected vintage roller skates, anything I could find from op shops, but I couldn't really skate on them at all. But I had them. They looked pretty. And, uh, yeah, so I heard about this new sport um, that was sort of in the punk rock scene in Melbourne, and it was roller derby. Uh, Girls full um, female-only sport where it was bashing each other up on skates is the sort of way it was described to me back then. Um, and I think within two days I was there at practice in some, like, old, rusty <laughs> artistic skates and got involved. Uh, it had been in Australia for about two months at that point, so I was one of the first to join um, and back then, it was just a bit of fun. We were learning the rules. We were learning how to skate. We were learning how to play um, all from YouTube and trying to recreate it in car parks and sports halls. And, yeah, it was it was brand new. Um, I was only asked Brisbane and Adelaide that had sort of caught on to it at that point. Um, and, yeah, I just did it for a bit of fun. It was, it was great. It was a really cool, fun community of, like, strong women. And, you know, you'd go, you'd skate, you'd go to the bar, you'd dress up in fishnets and crazy things and play. Um, so that's how I started. It's definitely not how it finished for me, but that was sort of how I got into it in the first place and, how, yeah, how different the sort of scene was back then. Well, that's right. I mean, I remember when I opened a gym with Piero in Preston and we were next to your facility, which was, I suppose, a couple of years down the track. But even still then, it had, I think it was 2011, it still had that flavour of inverted commas punk rock that you said. But the evolution over four or five years, you know, went from uh, girls walking in with uh, tutus to girls walking in with skins, you know, it became a sport in that sort of evolution that I noticed. Yeah, definitely. Well, I, I guess, Victoria definitely took it that way. We quite quickly decided that we didn't want to be just a bunch of girls in short shorts and tutus skating around. I remember the conversations back in 2008 before our first interstate game. Um, and back then, there was some extra fun little bonus parts of roller derby that people did for the crowds, such as like a, a dare wheel that would happen in the middle of the... Um, game where if you'd gone to the sin bin, you would have to 
have a pillow fight with someone else. It was it was really that bad. And I remember the meeting, and I was all just sitting there going, "What? No, that's not how we're going to play. We want to be. We want to play a sport. We're here to play a sport, not to put on a show." Um, and I remember that. I remember that meeting so so clearly. And uh, since then, I we really pushed to be athletes and athletic. Um, I was, went over to Glasgow for a while, and in, in that time, Victoria quickly became the best team around, the team to beat. They were there taking it seriously, doing off-skate exercising and beating everyone in all the competitions and, and bringing in coaches and really taking it seriously. And, um, I mean, that's how I feel the RDL really um, shot up so quickly and so far above the other teams in Australia, so far above the competition. Yeah, so it, it, I suppose, you know, once I was exposed to it and, and obviously I didn't, wasn't aware of it until 2011, what, what uh, surprised me was that, I mean, everybody skates, kids skate, everybody skates, and yet it wasn't viewed as a bona fide sport, which I thought was sort of odd. I, Where's the standing of, of roller derby now in terms of its standing as a, as a sport versus synchronised swimming or, or, or trap shooting or something like that? Where, where's, it, where's it standing now? How, how's it evolving? I guess, yeah, we had become a sport, but it is all grassroots organisation. We are skater-owned and run, and the whole organisation worldwide is skater-owned and run. Uh, back in the 70s, 60s and 70s, even the 50s, it was it was like an organized sport like WWE. It was like wrestling, you know, it was scripted. And when the girls came up with creating their own style in uh, the early 2000s in Texas, it was to, to make this a real legitimate sport. This is amazing. It's fun. It's fast. It doesn't have to be staged. It can be created into this amazing, fast-paced, insanely competitive sport. Um, but at the same time, we were women and we did want to express ourselves. And especially back then, you know, the costumes were a bit crazy and we still wanted, we wanted to be in a legitimate sport, but at the same time, to keep the corporations out of it, to keep, the, to keep it as our own. And I think that has um, been maybe one, of the, one, one reason why it hasn't become as legitimate as... Uh, okay. Um, things like synchronized swimming, where it can stay within this sort of box of what is what sport should be. Um, but even now that we are, we were on ESPN for a while for a few seasons, but we're back on our own channel now. Uh, it, it was we wanted to. It, it's never. It's somehow never going to be viewed as a legitimate sport. I don't know whether it's because it's female dominated or I think we're, we're doing pretty well for ourselves and in our own bubble. It's, it's huge. It's insanely popular. We have like well over 2000 leagues in the world. Now the world championships, the, the, the finals, 10 teams will have teams from four different countries in there now. It is a worldwide legitimate sport. We have had world cups with 35 different countries attending and but the things that these athletes do and put their bodies through and the skills that these people have is is above and beyond that like we train like we are athletes 
So we train most top-level teams are training at least five nights a week or five days a week. Um, plus, on top of that, all the training that you'll do in the gym, as well as because it's not a professional sport, keeping a few jobs or a job or studying or you know, looking after a family. You have to do it all, and I think maybe that's why women excel <laughs> with something that's not professional and not playing because balancing all these things and working hard and yeah, and still being able to put on something that's just absolutely incredible and and compete at such a high level. Yeah, and and I noticed also some very high skilled athletes from other sports were were moving into the into roller derby uh you know uh, people that have been in dance or people that have been ice skating you know, gym, gymnasts there's some pretty amazing athletes involved in the sport yes definitely we have um, a, a girl who competed um in speed skating in the olympics um and she plays for jacksonville florida aaron jackson um an incredible athlete uh, we have other people who we have one girl that does the competes internationally in the and and wins a lot of world titles in like downslope skiing, not skiing, sorry, uh, ice skating. So that that uh, ice skating downhill, it's like Red Bull, run a lot of their competitions. It's it's pretty incredible to watch. A pretty scary sport. Um, you can see that you know someone doing that and roller derby. That sort of fast, intense, fall at any time sort of thing. And, and yeah, uh, a lot of uh, women with college sports backgrounds in America, uh, a lot of hockey players, uh, a lot of figure skaters who come in. Roller derby is such a, a mix. You can be a very talented player with very different backgrounds. We need the fast-footed, you know, sprinter-type skaters. We need the more heavy, aggressive players um, with great footwork. We need the fast people that are just going to shoot around the pack. So I think it is from all different athletic backgrounds and a, a great way to yeah, utilise those skills. So what was your position? What did you? What was your position in roller derby? I was a jammer. Uh, so the way roller derby works is uh, two teams with five skaters from each team on the track. So a team will usually uh, have a bench of 14 skaters and five skaters will go on at a time from each team um, for the maximum of two minutes um, with two 30-minute halves. Uh, the way it works is there's four blockers from each team and then one jammer to make up the five. The blockers are your defense and offense, which is quite unusual in a sport. Um, it is a mix and a consistent change from defense to offense, offense to defense, playing it at the same time a lot of the time, which is really exciting in a game. Uh, and then uh, I played as the jammer, so best way to describe it, I, I was the ball. <laughs> so I needed to get um, through the pack of these eight blockers four of them wanting to help me through and four of them trying to hold me back. They have to stay within a, uh, within 20 feet from each other in our oval track um, and you have to stay within the lines of your track. So you can't go inbounds or outbounds and pass anyone. 
So you have to stay on track um, and pass other skaters legally. Uh, so the idea is once you get through the pack, the initial time, so you start behind them, whistle goes, you just are running into a solid wall of opposing skaters and trying to get through that as quickly as possible. And once you're through, you are you can start scoring. And the points are scored by passing opposing blockers' hits. So you can get four points per pass. Okay. So, yeah, so I was a jammer. And that's yeah, what I did. I wore a star on my head and I threw my body at walls of blockers. <laughs> that's crazy. Uh, you were the fast one, <laughs> basically. I think I met you in 2011 at the gym and you were serving coffees at the time <laughs> and uh, you, you sort of uh, were a pretty hard trainer. Yeah. You were a pretty hard trainer at the time. You were just basically running up and down between the shop and training and and just, just what you were doing then and your evolution into personal training and the, the crazy training I, I remember you used to do. Can you give me a bit of an outline, Grace? <laughs> I, yeah, I met you in 2011. Uh, that was the year that we were apprenticing into the WFPDA, which is the World um, Flat Track Derby Association. We, we, we had to invite two American teams out to skate against us. So at this point, we were the best in Australia and never been beaten uh, and had to invite two teams from America to play with us so we could become members of this world league. We sold out a 4,000 person arena at that point, And I'd, ju I'd just come back from Glasgow where I'd been playing. It was just, it, it was incredible. The game was so hard. These girls were so talented. They were just jumping over us and doing the most amazing things we'd ever seen. And uh, at that point I was just like, I, I want to be able to do that. And yeah, at that point, I wasn't, I wasn't a great skater. I was ballsy, and I think that's what made me a better skater. But I, I, I did not come from a skating background. Um, I'd always been athletic, but I pretty much made the decision that I wanted to be up there, and I wanted to be, if we're going to do this, if we're going to start traveling to the States, I want to be able to beat these girls. Um, so the first team was Texas. We played against, and then we played against Threat City, which was Seattle. Uh, they both whooped our ass. I think it lit a fire in our bellies. Um, we planned the next year to start traveling to the USA. So I pretty much didn't even own a pair of running shoes until 2011 <laughs> after we played that first game against Texas. So my training was my training was skating. That was it. I trained. I skated, and then. Once we sort of had a taste of um, America, I was looking into these leagues and what they were doing and um, bought, bought my first pair of runners. <laughs> um, and it was pretty close to the time that we moved in next door to you guys and met met you one day and wanted to see if we could use the gym. I can't remember exactly how it happened, but there was a few of us, a group of us that wanted to, you know, start lifting weights and get stronger and utilize this amazing facility that we had next door. Um, and yeah, I fell in love with it. It was amazing. It was such, you were amazing. And it was, it was great to meet you. I had so much that you, you showed an interest in our sport 
which uh, a lot of other people in the athletic world I don't think would have. Oh, you were interested to see what we were doing and how strength and conditioning could help us and what we should be doing. It was it was awesome. And at AAP, I think as soon as I started going there, you couldn't get rid of me. <laughs> it was coming in a lot. I was I just loved being around other athletes in there and seeing the way that they were, were training. I think having having Josh there was pretty inspirational uh, for me. And you know, during that time, over the next couple of years seeing how different people trained and I'm just like, I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to do that. Learning how to lift properly, learning how to, learning why my knee hurts because I've always had not lifted weight properly or really finding out how to really be the best I could be at what I was doing. And um, yeah, that was a lot, a lot of thanks for you with that. I mean, teaching me flyers. <laughs> I mean, you know how much I love flyers when we got those those fire boxes and you came into the gym and I was I was hugging them. <laughs> <laughs> well well I think I But yeah, think... it was it was it was learning how to strength train and strength train properly and Well well look Grace, I think I think the biggest thing uh now we're on a mutual admiration uh chat is that um I, I felt that you you embraced elite training pretty quickly and I think a lot of the people probably didn't think you would, but I I noticed that you understood a lot of the principles, which probably now uh, brings you to where you're at now in New York, and, and you, you were aware, you picked it up, you, you understood the value of proper training, you understood uh, silly training and silly exercises, you, 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 you sort of got it, I found, pretty quickly, and, and, and that was a credit to you, and um, basically, she's quite an intelligent girl, really, she's picked it up pretty quickly, and, and obviously... Uh, saw you evolve into strength training to be able to do bounding and hopping and, and all those things. And yeah, it did seem to help the sport. I, I, I really noticed you started leaping around and moving faster, which was fantastic. Yeah. It was great. It was exciting. It was new. I could feel the difference every day. And it was not long after that I decided that that's, that's where my career should be. Like, why should I be making copies all day and then coming and training my ass off when I could be training my ass off all day and making money, enjoying myself and doing what I loved. And, you know, initially I, I did want to go to university straight away, but, you know, back then it just wouldn't have worked with the schedule of training that we had. So I did my um, personal training certificate. And then by the time I'd finished my personal training certificate, um, we were elite athletes. Uh, the, the team, we were there, we were... We played in, I played in one World Cup by then, uh, where we placed third in the world. Our team was placing third in world championship games. I was coaching all over the world and was able to use that uh, status and my achievements to get my, myself started in university, which was great. And the elite athlete program at La Trobe just giving me a bit more flexibility be able to train um, and learn at the same time. You know, helped out with my studies, helped out with my travel, um, and really gave me the opportunity to really, really get into it. All of this stuff I wouldn't have been able to do. And it was it was great when I was in there at school because I already have this great understanding of it from being there and being not only coached by you, but helped out by these other athletes in the gym. I think that was one of the great things about AAP. Uh, no one was just doing their own thing. People were always helping each other out and uh, we're all doing different things and I would see a tennis player over there doing fast feet drills and I'm like I could use that and then would try and replicate them and 
soccer guys. It was it was fantastic, and it really gave me a great base to go into university. And yeah, I was really passionate about about it, and it was it gave me the tools to help my team. So I would run all the um, off skates. We call it off skate training with them. Um, and ex- with exercising them, I was a PT for a lot of the um, girls in the gym. And it, I was doing training for different. I was already a, co- a roller derby coach, but it gave me that extra something. So roller derby co- coaching was a business that I did um, all over Australia, and I've done some in America and Europe, uh, which was a great way to for me to fund my trip. That gave me the extra edge, having all this knowledge of how to make it become an athlete going from skater to elite athlete which is it does need that extra strength training it does need to for you to understand your body and and it also shaped me into a skater that was completely different to all the other jammers I mean jammers are usually come from a skating background they're very skilled on their toes and on their feet um but I got the strength just to just to plow through everyone um which was unique I think it created a, a different style of play. Yeah, fantastic. When you were at university, I remember you saying all these experiences. You weren't 18 at university or 19, and you were a little bit disillusioned with some of the students. You felt like some of the students were a bit lazy or they really weren't into sport or exercise and they were just there from their VCE. What was your view in that coming from a very different background and being a mature age student? How, how did you view a lot of the the students in that year at university that you were at Latrobe? Latrobe was different. It was more when I was I, when I was at college doing my personal training certificate. Um, just how how easy it was, not easy, but, you know, easy it is just to get a certificate in fitness and these people would hold the same fitness certificate as me and they couldn't even do a squat. Um, I think that's been an issue in, that's more of an issue in the college system in Australia. You, you can just pass subjects and get through it when most of the people in my class never even exercise. But yeah, it was, it was, that was strange. And so it was nice when I got to Latrobe. You can look at it in different ways. I mean, a lot of the subjects that I was taking were not just with exercise, physiology, exercise science students. It was, it was health sciences. And when I did, when we did get into those um, exercise science subjects, uh, it was athletes coming straight from school. It was, um, it was, it was great to be around it all. But again, it was around a different age to me. I was almost thirty by the time I started university. But it gave me the drive. Wasn't going to be having dorm parties and this and that. So I'm, I'm, I mean, the, the best thing I've ever done in my life is not go to university when I was too young. Um, I feel like I've, I wouldn't have gone to university to do exercise, physiology, or exercise science. And having that life experience, <laughs> I, I mean, when I was originally going to go, I was doing uh, ancient and modern history. So a bit of a change. But I think going to university when you have a real passion, which I don't think you have at 18, it, it makes it a very different experience. That's a very, very good point, Grace. That's an excellent way to put it. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm going to quote that. That's excellent. Uh, whilst you were at university, I think in your second year, you, you packed your bags and went to New York. Yeah. Uh, my second year in, it was the beginning of the 2017 season with roller derby. And I, I, 
I'd always wanted to move over to America um, and realize that I could go for a year with my visa, um, with a visa that I would could get from from being a student. And I, it was coming off another 25-hour flight back and forth and doing the hotel things and spending all my money on the travel and, you know, a few other things and also been doing it with that team for so long, coupled with the fact that uh, there was spaces, not spaces, but there was opportunity in a roster on a team that I dreamt of being all my life, on all of my life. And I had this one-year opportunity that I can just, if I can just pack my bags now and go, um, I could I could make it onto the possibly make it onto a team that I've wanted to be playing for my whole life. So, not my whole life, my whole derby career. So, yeah, I did it. I think I had packed from arriving back from a tournament in Oregon. Within three weeks, I had left Melbourne. I uh, got rid of my apartment, um, sold all my belongings, got my life from 13 years in Melbourne down to five bags and jumped on a plane um, back to back home and then flew over to New York. Uh, it was mid-season, so it was it was a pretty tricky thing to do and not something that they usually do, and um, it got them. So I had to had to go there. I had to prove myself, and I I got there, and my style of play was so different to theirs. And, you know, um, luckily I had a really great coach, Buster, who was, you know, he's like, I see where your strengths are, but you've got to – adapt to the team and I'd, I'd been on the team in Victoria from day one I was the longest skating roller derby player in the whole of Australia um, so I had not had this whole thing of adjusting to other people's plays and that was a big eye-opener and um, luckily I, I adjusted enough and they let me on mid-season and it was great so I created a new life here uh, I'd been working at F45 in Melbourne just a couple of days a week um, on top of having my own clients and working with AAP. And uh, I started working at the 1F45 studio here. And the business structure of F45 was something that me and my mother had talked about a few times back in Australia, just how excellent it was. I mean, it was a franchise that sold out completely in Australia in 18 months. It was, it was amazing, and it was amazing training. And uh, there was only one in New York. And I wanted to stay in New York. Um, my mum was had sold her business a few years earlier and was itching to get back in the game of you know and create something new. So together we just we made the decision that that's what we were going to do. We were going to open up a new studio in New York. But I swore I swore I would never leave Derby for it. I'm like I'm going to be able to do this both. And my mum was back in Australia. She was. At over in Australia the whole time, so I took the project on. Um, we found a long process. It was a really hard process. Um, I was working three jobs as well as training, but managed to find a studio after a year of looking and um, got the visa. We got the business visa for me to stay on and um, open up the F45. And I was at that point, I was really passionate about the brand F45. Uh, I mean, it is so different to a lot of the fitness over here, especially in New York. It's quite a, a scene or, you know, 
a bit cool and you've got to wear your cool matching clothes and this and that. Whereas <laughs> what I loved about F45 is it's, it's really Aussie. It's really like, g'day, come in. Yeah, let's do this. You know, it's, we're not very cool. We're just fun. You know, it's, it's that fun Aussie, like sort of team spirit way of training. And I, I you know, after coaching Derby all around the world, coaching kids, coaching, you know, teams and this and that, it was, it was perfect for me. I mean, it got to, it was an opportunity to really help people one-on-one um, in a way that's affordable uh, and in a team and uh, also, you know, have fun with everyone. And, and I really believe in the workouts there as well. They're incredible workouts. A lot of stuff I was doing in the gym anyway, sort of in a different format. Um, so, yeah, uh, as we got closer to opening, you know, we had to fully construct the place. And it was, I mean, it was a lot of work, uh, the last three weeks of opening, I was there probably like 19 hours a day. I would quickly run home, have a hour nap and head back in. And, you know, my arm was in a sling. Somehow messed that up, of painting painting walls at five in the morning. But luckily, just before that point, I, I sort of realized that this is the, the turning point in my life. And I, I needed to put everything into my business. As much as I loved roller derby and I was, I don't think that I... I think I could have gone further and I think I could have gotten better. I, you know, I was still following my passion, but that passion just changed paths and um, I couldn't be happier that I did. Uh, I still love my teammates and support my teams, but now I'm, I'm doing something that I love. Like I see my members every day and they love it. It's something so fresh and new over here. Um, having trainers that are, there and caring about every member as an individual person, not just a number on a bike or something like that. Um, um, really fantastic. And I've managed to get some incredible trainers of all different backgrounds. Uh, we have dancers. Um, we have the people that care about fitness. And when they find us, they're like, and care about people. Um, and they find us compared to other studios. They're like, this is what I've been looking for. This is the sort of interactions I want to be having with people and the community I want to be part of and help. And it's just been, it's been amazing. I couldn't be happier with every, you know, up until March 16th <laughs> with yeah. the whole journey from opening at the studio. Uh, we, we even, um, on our second challenge, we do a thing called the eight-week challenge. On our second eight-week challenge, my one of my members, Gina, took out the world's prize at over eighteen hundred studios of the biggest body transformation, and she won twelve thousand dollars. So, which is unheard of at a brand new gym, but it was it was there because of the support of the community and the trainers, and yeah, just what we have. Um, so it's been fantastic, absolutely amazing, best decision I've ever made. I love it. I'm itching to get back and see everyone again and see the transformation and people that have never lift weight, lifted weights before or jumped in the box before and I was tackling those little things and then seeing them becoming like, oh, getting that muscle, getting that six-pack, seeing what their goals become. And um, it's fantastic. A lot of my the, my old teammates come in and train there now as well. So, yeah, it's good being part of it. I definitely miss the competitiveness of um, playing sport, but um, this is just as rewarding. So, so what is the PT industry like in the states? Is it is it regulated? What's what? Just give me a snapshot of what happens with 
Uh, gym instructors, personal trainers that you employ, and the certification, I suppose. So they have a similar sort of thing to us to get your personal training certificate, NASM or ACE here, which is something that you can do online or you can do in class. Uh, that sort of trade college type certificate. And yeah, so there's in New York, uh, there's a lot of personal trainers. Uh, which, you know, people that will go to people's homes and a lot of the apartment blocks here have gyms inside them, things like that. And, you know, they charge a lot of money for that. And that whole, I feel like that whole part of the fitness industry is um, quite a scene. It's like how, if you have the most Facebook, not Facebook, Instagram followers, it's, you have to promote yourself. It's all about sell, 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 sell um, to be a personal trainer here, which is not really up my alley. I was never good with that sort of stuff. So I was, you know, when I first moved here and wanted to stay in fitness, I was quite happy that there was an F45 here. Um, you know, and it's extremely competitive and they get paid a lot of money over here to be a personal trainer. If you if you look at an Instagram and can promote yourself, you can really do well in the fitness industry in New York. And then obviously we have a lot of boutique gyms. We have... Obviously, like the the main cycling ones, the Soul Cycle Barry's Boot Camp, um, which is a half treadmill, half weight workout. Then we have um, we have a lot of that of Pilates and bar Pilates. Like we have just anything you can think of in fitness. Trampoline rooms. We have cold rooms where it's like you go into a fridge and work out in the fridge. <laughs> um, it's it's. Absolutely insane. So there is a lot of competition here in fitness uh, and a lot of variety. You could, just on like doing trials alone, you could probably <laughs> work out every day of the year somewhere new, do something different. And I think that's what was, what is great about S45. It was a breath of fresh air. It wasn't trying to be anything or, yep. you know, it was just trying to be somewhere where, we are there to support you in absolutely every aspect of your fitness goals and your fitness levels. Um, it's different and it's, it's fun, but I mean, New York is amazing. The fitness scene here is just unbelievable. You could okay. do anything to get fit here. I could well imagine. <laughs> Underwater so, cycling. <laughs> <laughs> so so do, you, do you get a lot of graduates, people from university, <clears throat> knocking at your door or is it more that the PT person wanting to get work with you? people coming out of university, it's, it's really more people doing this as a side job. So we have three of my staff are dancers. One was a Broadway, is a Broadway dancer. The other is a dance teacher. Uh, and then I have an ENT as well. So it's, in New York, you got to hustle. If you have jobs, you don't have a job. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and especially being in the fitness industry. So my head trainer is uh, brilliant Amanda she's um, studying right now and has huge plans on creating her own businesses and that now so she's so passionate about fitness and she's great to have on board and I'm so excited to help her out and move up in fitness but uh, yeah so we not so much university graduates we have people studying um, I think three of my my trainers are studying right now um, and oh, and I also have a, a roller derby skater who trains for me a couple of days a week as well. Um, and she's also studying to be a nurse. 
and also a CrossFit instructor and also this and also that. So um, I think it's sort of different over here, especially in New York. If you're coming out of university and you're really passionate about, um, if you're coming out as a university graduate, you're probably looking more, you wouldn't be looking for work straight away in New York. You'd probably go somewhere smaller and build up. And I mean, the college fitness scene is here is just insane. So, you know, college football, college basketball, college sports. How do you compare the standard of personal trainer to Australia? Is that, is that an unfair question or have you, do you think there's more variety in the States or do you think the standard was really high in Australia? What's, what was your, what's your view now of the comparison of the industry? So personal training, I think if you're, if you're working in the fitness industry with, in sports, that is a entirely different section to what you would have as like lifestyle fitness, which is sort of what I'm more involved in right now. And it is, it's, it's just a different scene. It's people with, rather than, there's such a variety like there is in Australian gyms, you'll have the one bloke standing on his phone chewing gum and telling people to do another 10 reps and then the other person, you know, getting in their face and getting them up and going excited. But yeah, there's definitely more of a, a competitive edge to personal training in this country than there is in Australia. So if you want to be making the big bucks in somewhere like New York, you have to be awesome. You have to put in the hours of training for the gym you want to work at for free and really just sell a product. I think that's a very American thing with everything. And so it's the same with fitness. Oh, basically more competitive. That's basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so 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 where to next for Grace Giles? What 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 are you going to do? I mean, will you ultimately want to finish university, or do you want to own multiple chains of F forty fives around the states, uh, or do you want to evolve into in this industry? What's what's your uh, what's your next frontier, Grace? The next frontier is to finally get out of the house and <laughs> <laughs> be allowed to go back to my gym. <laughs> Definitely, I love, I'm loving working with F45 and working, and I, I really do believe in this product, and I'm loving what I'm doing right now, so it would it'd be amazing to be able to open more uh, in the future. I think any fitness business owner right now knows how uncertain the next maybe year or so is going to be, so, um, but no, I'm, I'm here for good. I'm in this fitness industry. I, I have been... You know, toying with the idea of getting my skates back on and maybe just doing it not as competitively for a while, but we have home teams here that are a lot of fun um, where you play within New York. Uh, so I do, I do, I do think I need some sort of competitive sport. They, do, they have an ASL team here, so maybe I'll I'll get into that, <laughs> um, which is a mixed team. So the Magpies, uh, nice. they play down near where my studio is, but no fitness industry and I, I think continuing like only it, having my gym it's just it's just been so so unbelievably rewarding I couldn't imagine myself doing anything else oh look it's a credit to you and I suppose when I first met you to uh to now I think that uh we were looking into the future then a lot of people within your environment wouldn't have seen you in New York owning a F45 to be honest but so it's a fantastic achievement that you've done <laughs> uh, it's really really a credit to you Grace so any advice for young PT starting in the industry in Australia 
now that what you've experienced in Australia and you've experienced in the States, what, what advice um, would you give them? Learn as much as you can. Get as much... Learn from people. Find... Work... Build off other people's strength or realise that you're not top dog in the industry when you're coming out or in your sport or... And really just put in that work. It's not easy. You've got to... You've got to want it. And you've got to be passionate about it. If you're going to PT school, you'd prefer to be a fashion designer. Don't go to PT school. Follow your dream. Like it, it, people feed off your passion. And I think a good personal trainer is passionate about what they're doing and about helping you. If you're not passionate, it's probably not going to be the the best career for you. But if you are, people will feed off your passion. Your clients will feed off your passion and yeah make it your own that's what people want oh that's fantastic grace look it's been fantastic to talk to you sorry about the problems with the uh with the phone line but hopefully we'll be able to uh get the message across and the story across it's a it's a it's a it's, <laughs> it's a fantastic story from certainly from when i met you but obviously before that too and uh you yeah, know the, the evolution of the sport and now where you're at with um, with your business and, and, and how passionate, as you say, you are. And, uh, yeah, th- thanks for chatting. Uh, hopefully we can catch up soon in the future when there's some flights available. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, Laura. All right, see ya. See ya. I'd like to say thank Grace for that podcast. Uh, it certainly was an interesting insight into fitness and personal training in New York and that, that was certainly explains the, the New York environment but but also I think as I said at the start it, it, it's about the pathways that people can take from exercise science and into the fitness industry and that's definitely going to become a, a hot topic now with less work in strength and conditioning and sports science that people will have to be flexible and and move into other areas and and there's plenty of scope if if there's passion and you're prepared to hard work so thanks to grace that was uh, really interesting and, and great to catch up with her again